0: I invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 1, the gospel according to John, chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 35, John chapter 1, beginning of verse 35. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, Where are you staying? He said to them come and see they came and saw where he was staying and they remained with him that day it was about four o'clock in the afternoon one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon Peters brother he first found his brother Simon and said to him we have found the Messiah which is translated anointed he brought Simon to Jesus Who looked at him and said you are simon son of john you are to be called cephas which is translated peter the next day jesus decided to go to galilee and he found philip and said to him follow me now philip was from bethsaida the city of andrew and peter philip found nathaniel and said to him we've found him about whom moses and the law and also the prophets wrote Nathaniel replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus Christ, amen. I hate it when really neat, powerful, amazing words get hijacked sometimes in our culture, in our society, sometimes in our politics. One of those words that's such a powerful word that we've kind of gotten nervous about is the word evangelism or evangelical. I remember when I entered the ministry several years ago, uh, people would sometimes look at me and they would say, you seem like you're kind of an evangelical type. And my thought was, well, evangelism means to share the good news. I'm a pastor. Pastors preach and teach the good news. Well, duh. How do you get to be a pastor or a preacher or teacher and not be somewhat evangelical? Well, the challenge is sometimes words get caught up and and then we try to figure out, well, what's another word we can use? So now the word that people are beginning to use is, well, I'm more orthodox. Well, we'll figure out what all that means too. But evangelism is a powerful word. The word is the euangelion, which means good news evangelism is a noun this is the good news to evangelize turns into a verb and says to share the good news we're called to evangelize to share the good news are you an evangelical well i want to share christ so by default that means yes not necessarily in the political sense but in the biblical sense, we, we get a little nervous with the word evangelism. I, I think sometimes if the church knows you're gonna preach about evangelism, they start having conflicts. I'm not gonna be able to make it to that service. I wish I could be there. Because we get nervous thinking, you know they're not gonna ask me to go knock on doors somewhere, are they? They're going to ask, not gonna ask me to get on a bicycle and ride through the neighborhood, are they? They're not going to be pulling in driveway to driveway, are they? I mean, because we all get nervous when we see the car going driveway to driveway. We know what's coming. I mean, Nancy and I, we we used to, when we see it in our neighborhood, we'd get on the phone call our neighbors, shut the TVs down, they're coming. (laughs) they are two doors down, they're almost there. You know, so we get nervous about that word evangelism because we're afraid somebody's going to come and... And we're going to have to deal with it. Well, now I enjoy it. You would think by now we would be on a list. We're not yet, I don't think. Or either they send their trainees to our house. Because now, you know, when they come to the door, a lot of times I want to go, yes, I would love to hear from you. And and please share with me your story. Now, the condition is I get equal time. So if you want to talk to me for 10 minutes, I get to talk to you for 10 minutes. If you want to talk to me for 15, I get to talk to you for 15. I, we in agree because I've got a PowerPoint. It won't take me but a minute to get it up. They're going, well, you have a PowerPoint? You want them to leave? Tell them you have a PowerPoint. Maybe that's why. I don't know what it is about the word evangelism. Maybe we, we picture an evangelist sometimes as... As someone holding a a six-foot King James Version only Bible you know and beating us over the head with it or asking if you were to die tonight I don't know We, we love Billy Graham he seems to have pulled the word off but other than that we wrestle sometimes I don't think it's that we're ashamed of our faith what is it I love Beth Smith's story I, I have watched this video that that she they, that the evangelism team put together. Elizabeth Mitchell, our communications person, helped put together. I've watched it over and over and over again. I, I, I actually got up early this morning and watched it two more times just this morning. And now this is the fourth service that I've seen it in today. And every time I, I hear it, there's, there's another little edge of it. I'm going, wow, I really like Oh, that's good. That's powerful testimony to hear. I mean, isn't it interesting that sometimes our kids may have had one of their good friends coming over to our house, and without even knowing it, we were witnessing? That that she began to realize the power of Christianity when, as a high school kid going to her friend's house, she watched a family who, as she described, walked the walk. And did you catch that she follows it back up and goes, they really did it. They they really did it. And how it it made her realize how important this faith truly is. And I love the definition. I think I have a new definition of evangelism now because I, I love the way she said evangelism is simply interacting for Christ. Interacting with other people For christ intentionally seeing the people in the world around you i love the scripture that we read today now oftentimes when we read the early chapters in a gospel we have a tendency to fly through them because we think the essence of it is this is how we get the 12 disciples so we're kind of zipping through going here are the 12 now jesus begins his ministry but it's pretty powerful to watch what happens here we're going to see at least three evangelists at work I mean, first of all, you had John the Baptist. John the Baptist has disciples, we're told. That means John the Baptist was considered a teacher. He was considered a rabbi. He was considered one that that had students who were following him, learning from him. And what happens is one day John the Baptist is teaching and he sees Jesus walk by and all he does is he goes, now there, there is the Lamb of God. That's what evangelism is, is simply, where do we see Jesus at work in our world today? And and John the Baptist points it out right, right there. There's the Lamb of God. And immediately the two disciples start following Jesus. And we're told they spent the day with him. And that means they spent some time to get to know him, to, to hear from him, to experience him. And, and they were told that one of the two who was a disciple or a student of John the Baptist that was following Jesus now, his name was Andrew. And after Andrew experiences a day with Jesus, what's the very first thing he does? He goes and finds his brother. Because when something powerful and amazing happens in our lives, oftentimes we want to share it with family. And so immediately he goes out and he he finds his brother and he goes, Brother, Simon, we found the Messiah. This is the one we've been looking for, the one from the Old Testament. We found the Messiah. And I love the way John puts it. We read the Bible way too fast. Slow down, slow down when you read the Bible. Take a moment to reflect on it because... John says that Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. That's evangelism. He brought his brother to Jesus. And when Jesus sees him, did you catch that Jesus changes his name? Calls him Cephas, which means Peter. And we hear in the other Gospels that when when, when Simon says you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that Jesus said to him, changing your name to Peter, that means rock. And it's upon this rock, I'll build my church. And even the gates of hell cannot prevail a church that's built on this kind of faith. Did you catch what just happened? John the Baptist shared with his students, there's the Lamb of God. One of his students Goes and spends the day with Jesus and recognizes this is the Christ. This is the Son of God. Goes and gets his brother. His brother comes and sees Jesus. His name is changed to Peter, and Peter becomes the head of the church. Peter becomes the head of the church. Because John said, There he is. Andrew said, I got to find my brother. Then the next day, we're told that Jesus went to Galilee, that beautiful area of the Sea of Galilee. And, and while he's there, he finds Philip and he calls Philip to come and, and Philip experiences this, who Jesus is. And immediately Philip goes and finds his good friend, his friend, because you know, when something significant happens in our lives, we want to share it with the people that we care about. And, and it wasn't just that Philip ran into somebody, whose name was Nathaniel. He went looking for his friend. It was important enough what had happened to him. He wanted to make sure he told his friend. And he says to Nathaniel, we found the Messiah. This is the one that the law of Moses, the prophets, everybody was pointing to. His name is Jesus. He's the son of Joseph. He's from Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel smarts off for a second because he goes, yeah, right. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? You know how we always have these little competitive things that go on? I mean, you know, Nathaniel was from the town not too far from Nazareth. It's kind of like, you know, when, when kids in high school around here go, are you from Marvin Ridge or Cuthbertson or Weddington or Argykell? You know, and you kind of get that little stuff going. Or or when you go, do you live in Waxhall or Marvin?" You know, it's just a little bit of fun. You know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? But when Jesus sees Nathanael, because, catch again, Philip then takes his friend to meet Jesus. That's evangelism. And he's leading him there, and when Jesus sees Nathanael, he goes, now there's an Israelite without deceit. And Nathanael goes, "Um, and how do you know me? And Jesus said, saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you, heard what you said. And what's amazing is nathaniel goes rabbi teacher you are the son of god now there's a jump he immediately recognized not only are you the messiah but you are the son of god it's powerful what happens in the scripture and and evangelism is such a significant point. And we're all called to, to be evangelists, that we, we go and share with the people that we have influence in our lives, whether they're, they're students of ours, somebody that works with us, or we go and tell our brothers or our sisters, or we go seek out our best friends. But what we do is when something significant happens in our lives, we want to be able to tell them. We want to tell the people we love and make sure they get to experience what we've experienced. I love the way that Beth said in in the video, she said, you know, we're all called to it and we wouldn't all be called to it if it wasn't really important. I loved it when she said, we wouldn't all be called to it if it wasn't really important. To share our faith. As a matter of fact, Jesus said at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the very last thing that Matthew says that Jesus shares with us, is that now go and and make disciples. People who will follow me and love me. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all the things that I've taught you. And, and I'll be right there with you. I'll be with you always. According to Luke, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as Jesus is ascending into heaven, he said, you know, now you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to be my witnesses right here in Jerusalem, but not only that, fan out to Judea, and not only that, fan on out to Samaria, and not only that, take it to the world. You'll be my witnesses in the world. Our job is to share Christ. Paul puts it beautifully in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 he says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God interacting for christ that god has given us this amazing message of of love and grace and he wants us to share it with the world john wesley who again was the forefather of of the methodist church and the great theologian of the 18th century and an amazing preacher and passionate evangelist for god he he said to his preachers and to all the lady in his churches he said you have nothing to do but to save souls Therefore, spend and be spent at this work. You have nothing to do but save souls, so therefore, spend and be spent at this work. Sharing Christ with others. People ask sometimes, you know, what is happening with the church, and is the church still relevant in our world? And, And I think the answer to the question would be, our relevance comes when we share Christ. That's what makes us relevant. I think we do make evangelism harder than it really is though i think you know when we we think about evangelism we get really scared and 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 we think that that we've got to be this amazing biblical scholar that if i if i share some you know with somebody about christ they're going to ask me a question i may not be able to answer that's okay god's not calling on you to be the biblical scholar well according to the hebrew are you wanting to know from the septuagint in latin He's not asking for that, or he's not calling you to be a world-renowned theologian. Maybe he is, but not all of us. You know, so not all of us will have the gift of being able to connect every dot and you know and make everything just work beautifully. What God is talking to us about is just sharing our faith. Years ago, George Morris and Eddie Fox wrote a great book called Faith Sharing. They they said they couldn't call it evangelism because they knew nobody would buy it. So they called it faith sharing. And in it, they said that, you know, one of the challenges of evangelism is we often have in our heads that evangelism is sharing a constant message of shoulds and oughts on the congregation. You should do this. You ought to do that. You should do this. You ought to do that. And, And he said evangelism is not shoulds and oughts. Evangelism is simply sharing, this is what Christ means to me. But we struggle. We struggle with sharing any of the deep things in our hearts. I mean, we, we struggle looking at our spouses that we may have been married to for many years and people that we love dearly and they know we love them. And we know love us. We still have a hard time looking in their eyes sometimes and going, I just want to tell you, you mean the world to me. And without you, I don't know how I would be the person that I am today. And I love you dearly. We have a hard time looking at somebody and saying that. So we don't even to the people that know it or even to our children so it's no wonder we struggle sharing our faith things that are important to us deep with us that make us vulnerable we're hesitant to just open up and share you know what my relationship with christ is what makes me who i am and i want to tell you about it one of the greatest conversations i ever had with my dad was Riding down the road with him in his car one day, actually was in his truck, and my dad was driving way too fast because that was what he always did. My dad looked like Richard Petty and drove like Richard Petty. <laughs> and so we're riding down the road and, you know, I'm saying my prayers. And, 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 and then he looks over at me and he said, I, I want to tell you about my faith. I don't know where that came from. It was just out of the blue. I want to tell you about my faith. I knew his story from when he was a kid. I I knew that he grew up in an abusive home with a dysfunctional family, and and I knew that his father didn't really provide for the family, and they moved constantly because they were being evicted, and and his father was a mean alcoholic, and I, I knew those stories. What he wanted to do was show me where God was through it and connect all those dots. And how after meeting my mother and becoming involved in the church, he met Jesus Christ. It was one of the most intimate moments that we ever shared. And when he was dying a year ago, and I was there in the home where I was raised and and grew up, and Dad was sitting there in his chair, I, I remembered that story and that event. And it gave me peace knowing this guy really knows Jesus Christ. He wasn't trying to convert me when he told me the story because I was already a pastor, not saying we don't have pastors that need conversions. <laughs> I'm just saying he wanted me to know what was important to him. How do we get to the point where we share with our families what's really important to us? I share with you the time that... It, that I looked over at my son as he was preparing to go into Afghanistan before he left, and I were talking about all the things that he needed to have, and I said, what kind of faith are you taking with you? And he looked at me and he goes, whoa, dad, you can't be my pastor, because I'd always told him I'm your dad, not your pastor, and I looked at him and I said, I'm not trying to be your pastor, I just wanna be your dad, and I love you enough to ask you that question. How do we get to the point where we love people enough to ask that question when our kids are going off to college or whatever's happening in our lives that we share? I just want you to know this is important. I just want you to know this is really important. It's what makes me who I am, and I pray it's what will help make you who you are. Relationships are important. I'll share with you. I get I get a little bit nervous. I'm gonna step out on a limb and say this. I get a little nervous. You know, we had a beautiful baptism. Just a little bit ago at the 9.30 service, that's why there's still water in the bowl. And Two beautiful little girls, we do baptisms regularly here. And and we acknowledge that our children are gifts from God, and we vow that we will raise them in the Christian faith, the Christian life, the Christian home. We'll teach them the faith so that someday they'll accept Jesus Christ as their own Savior and Lord. And yet, for some reason, when they start getting a little bit older, we get really nervous about talking to them about Jesus even though we vowed to God that's what we would do and and I wrestle sometimes when I hear people go well you know it's with my children's faith I just you know I try to back off I don't want to push I want to kind of let them do their own thing and I don't want to go so on Monday morning do you go do you really want to be educated do you really want to go to school it's up to you I don't want to push you do we do we say you know you joined the team but practice is optional it's up to you what do you want or do we encourage and coach you can't force faith on someone, the question is, do we pull back so far we don't even introduce faith to someone? Do we pull back so far that we don't even introduce faith to someone? In Romans chapter 1, verse 16, we're doing our Bible study on Wednesday nights, Paul says to the church in Rome, he said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith. And and what I love, if you look in the HarperCollins Study Bible, and, and you look at the nuance of the Greek, you really could turn it to where it says, for I am proud of the gospel. I mean, there's a difference in saying I'm not ashamed of something and saying I'm proud of it. I mean, you don't believe me. Look at somebody in your family that you love. Like, look at your kids and go, I'm not ashamed of you. They'll go, thanks, Dad." thanks mom but look at them and say I am so proud of you and hear what they hear you see what Paul says is I'm actually very proud of the gospel I am so proud of this good news of Jesus Christ because it's it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith so our calling is to share this faith Peter says in 1 Peter 3, verse 15, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and reverence. In other words, if somebody looks at you and goes, wow, what makes you who you are? Are you ready to share that it's your relationship with Jesus Christ? One day Jesus was teaching And he looked out at the crowds according to matthew chapter 9 verse 36 and when jesus looked out at the crowds and he had compassion for them and he said to the disciples come here come here look at this and he looked out at the crowds of the people some of them were bringing their sick to jesus some of them were celebrating great things some of them wanted to hear from a teacher some thought that is the son of god and Jesus just looks out at the crowds, and he's filled with compassion and he says to the disciples, look at this. The harvest is so plentiful. The laborers though are few. So pray that the Lord of the harvest will send people out to these people. He was filled with compassion. Here we sit in this beautiful community, church up on the hill. And we can look towards Charlotte. We can look toward Waxhall. we can look toward wesley chapel indian trail marvin indian land all the communities all the the places around and in between and and jesus is filled with compassion because there are people right among us that are well some are struggling and some are hurting some may be living in the midst of a ton of people and yet incredibly lonely Some just want to to hear that they're loved somehow. And we know about a God who so loves them that He would give His only begotten Son. Jesus was filled with compassion and He's calling the church, just be filled with compassion. Because the harvest is so plentiful. The laborers, though, are few... But evangelism's hard. It's hard for us to open up. So years ago when I was, when I was serving some of the previous churches that I would had in my last church and even this church, you know, I, I encouraged us. We need, to, we need to get some shirts that have our church name on it. We need to get some coffee cups that have our church name on it. We need to, to do some things like that. And it's not so that we can brand and go, you know, hey, look, look at us but we call it the silent witness program because you know what's what's really interesting is you know sometimes you'll you'll see people holding a coffee mug that has the name of the church on it and you know what you just did you just said I'm a Christian here's where I go to church and you never opened your mouth so if you're afraid of that initial statement let someone something else do it for you Sometimes I'll be wearing a, a church shirt that has the name of our church on it and I go through the grocery store or go to the drugstore or wherever I might be and, and, and people go, so you go to church there? And, and my response is, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty regular. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when they'll ask you to pray for their mother, their sister, their brother, or for them. And the door opens up for you to be able to share your faith that's why we call it silent witness so the sticker on the back of the car it's not to say you know our church is better than your church it's simply to say i'm a christian here's why i go to church ask me ask me about it i invite you to ask me. you know god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17 goes on to say, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather that the world through him might be saved. You know, if I loved someone enough that I would be willing to die for them, I sure hope someone would tell them.